2: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.
3: We are only a month away, or a little bit more than a month away from the season opener for the Orlando Magic against the Houston Rockets, so Who better to check in on this close to media day, this close to training camp, this close to the season than our pal Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. It's time for a rebuild check-in on today's episode of Locked On Magic.
2: You are Locked On Magic,
1: your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: R indeed locked on magic. Today is September 21st, 2023. My name is Philip Roswell Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're gonna do the same thing we did last year when the magic opened with the Detroit Pistons. We're gonna talk to Jackson Gatlin, the host of Locked On Rockets, to do a little bit of a rebuild check-in where the magic and Rockets are similar where the Magic are ahead of the Rockets in their rebuild, what the Rockets will gain from their free agent signings, and whether the Magic should have followed suit. We'll get to all that, plus a lot more, as we look ahead to the season opener on October 25th. I had to be reminded of the date. It is going to get here sooner than you can think. But before we do that, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast Covering every single team in the NBA, just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Before we climb into our conversation with Jackson, um, I just want to warn you: um, if you're watching on YouTube, there may be some points uh, in the filming where the video cuts out. Um, don't bang your computer screen or anything like that. That is uh, that there, there's. I had internet. Is- I've been having internet issues because of the storm throughout the day. Um, and so um, there will be times where maybe uh, my picture or Jackson's picture cuts out, um, but then that will be immediately followed by him talking very, 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 very fast. So you will not miss a beat. If you're listening on audio, um, I'm probably going to cut all that part out. But if you're wondering why Jackson suddenly talks so fast, it's because uh, uh, of recording issues on my end. Maybe that didn't happen. Who's to say? Um, but I just want to warn you all before we get into it. So. Here we go. Let's talk some Magic and Rockets rebuild with Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. And we are just a little bit more than a month away from the start of the NBA season. It's kind of hard to believe that we're almost there. And so, of course, we're gonna chat with our good friend Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. Opening night. Who knows what day? What, what day? What day? It actually is like I, I, days don't mean anything. October twenty
2: fifth. Come on, Philip. You gotta, gotta be hyped. You gotta bring the energy. I'm I'm, Octo- I'm I like this- I'm
3: just. I'm so focused on October second and October third. Like the games are like not even on my. The games like are not even on my radar. Besides, like I know we open with the Rockets. It's a game. Uh, It's a game magic fans are excited for. We're going to have the throwbacks on the throwback courts going to be on the floor. Um, It's going to be a fun time. And and, anyways, anytime the Rockets come to town, it's a big deal for the magic. I mean, we all still feel very, very angry about 1995. I mean, at least I I do. I do. Um, You know, the 1990 Christmas day, 1995 is one of the great games in magic history when Penny, when Penny beat the Rockets,
2: but but that's not here. That you're hey, there, we're Phillip, not. I, well, look, Philip, I'm still angry about 1995 too. Okay, that's the year that I was born. I didn't ask this. <laughs> I didn't ask to be brought into this life. So I'm still angry about that, but for very, very different reasons. No, I can't. I I've got. Oh some, no, like, I, I big guy's jersey hanging in the background too. So some Hakeem Olajuwon swag for all the all the Magic fans.
3: Yeah, and, and look, Hakeem helped Dwight nearly win MVP in 20, or should have. Hakeem helped Dwight should, should have won MVP in 20, in 2011. So, you know, we're, we're, we're big kicking. There, there, and at there's the some day. shared
2: history between these teams, yeah. right? Obviously Dwight Howard, shout out to former Houston rocket point guard, Ray for Alston, who was part oh, of yeah? the team that went to the finals. Like is a, there's some, there's some hey, connections. I, here. I will,
3: I, Tracy McGrady, obviously I will always stand magic. Steve Francis, magic. Steve oh. Francis, until Catino Mobley got traded was a very very fun and good player. Um, Stevie franchise of, man that 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 might go
2: down as one of the few like honestly like kind of win-win trades in in history where it's just like I think I that, that. Oh, well, I, was, I, <laughs> I, I I just I, in the sense of like I think that Stevie and Catino gave the magic what they could right and you know it, it obviously but McGrady also started kind of breaking down with the Rockets unfortunately like he he couldn't stay healthy with in Houston but Orlando Teamac was something else there was like yes, that legit know. conversation about whether it was him or Kobe as the best two guard in the NBA. That was a legitimate conversation back in the that day.
3: That was that and, and that is not the same as the Darren Williams Chris Paul conversation that we all had that that, yeah. that some of us are are still embarrassed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um let's 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 move on from the past and, and talk about a, a topic that I think is exciting for both of our teams. Uh, and that's the future. Um, you know, obviously the magic and the Rockets kind of started their rebuilds at the same-ish time. Um, you know, the Rockets getting the second pick in. In the 2021 draft, with with Jalen Green, the Magic getting the fourth, uh, the fifth pick, taking Jalen Suggs, and then the eighth pick, of course, taking Franz Wagner. Then last year, the Magic getting the first first pick, taking Paolo Banchero, the Rockets taking uh, Jabari Smith Jr. Let's start with with kind of the young cores that 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 these two teams have after after these last two years. What stands out about the Rockets and sort of the the direction that they're trying to build now that they've had two very like high level prospects in their group.
2: Well, I think that just when you look at the NBA landscape, right, Philip, there's a very clear direction where teams oftentimes decide, Hey, we've got a bottom out. Right. And the NBA life cycle is cyclical, right? It goes in a big circle and sometimes you're at the top and teams try to stay at the top for a very, very long time. Not every team can do that. Right. Not every, not every team can be, unless the you're the Golden Lakers, State Warriors, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> unless you're the Lakers. Um, but not every team can have that extended life cycle where you're at the top of the pecking order for a very, very long time because of things like you know contract extensions and, and having to re-up on the big-name guys and all of that. Um, but when you look at the Magic and, and the Rockets, they were two teams that very actively decided, hey, we're going to bottom out. We're going to be bad for a few years. Um, when you look at how the Rockets did it, right, they, they had to pivot in the immediate aftermath of the James Harden era, and they knew that they had a brief window of, two to three years where they could be bad before the repercussions from the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade from a few years ago started kicking in where they owe their draft picks to the Oklahoma city thunder. And so they had a brief window where they could be bad, and still have control of their draft capital. And that's exactly what they did. In fact, the pick that turned into Jalen Green, they only had a 50% chance to keep that pick. It was actually terrifying on lottery night because had that pick fallen out of the top four, it would have gone to the OKC Thunder and the Rockets would have been set back a little bit in how they wanted to start their rebuilding process. They would have wound up with what turned into, I believe, the 18th pick, in that year's NBA draft and not gotten one of the top prospects that year. So very fortuitous turn of events for the Rockets. You go through a three-year gap where you were, frankly, one of the laughingstock teams of the NBA, but you come out of it with a core six of really exciting young guys in Jalen Green, Alperin Shingun, Jabari Smith Jr., Tari Eason, and most recently added Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore, who slid all the way down to 20. So that's a really exciting core six, and then they – you know, we're targeting this offseason for a very long time. They added some veteran stabilizing presences in Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. They brought in arguably a top five coach in the NBA and Ime Doka, and they have their sights set on making the play in tournament this season.
3: Yeah, no, I want to get into uh, certainly a, l- a little bit. I want to get into kind of the different free agency paths because, like the Rockets, the Magic had a ton of cap room. They were tied to Fred Van Vliet for a little while, uh, decided not they, they, uh, Magic essentially decided to kind of sit on their hands and say, let's just let that money roll over for, for another year. And, and like you said, that the draft, the draft stuff, um, I think, played a little bit of a role played a little maybe it played a little role of that well we'll get we'll, I want to get to that and, in and a but little. just
2: even even on the point about the about rolling over the cap right it's because I think and we've talked about this before over at locked on NBA is there's maybe this internal confidence with the magic organization that the internal growth and what we saw you know, in the back half of last season, is just going to translate into this next year, where they didn't necessarily need to fork over a bunch of money to a marquee free agent because this is a team that looks poised to really take a, take the next step just with the guys that they already have this year. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously, you know, like like you said, the the Rockets got
3: got a little bit got a good good bounce when they got Jalen Green. The Magic got a good bounce when you get the number one, when they got the number one pick in the twenty twenty two draft. I mean, you can just. For a lot of these teams, yes, you have to draft smart, and, and I think Houston's done a really good job drafting. Alpern Sengun is is a player that, frankly, I think a lot of people around the league don't talk enough about. Like he's he's got, I think he's got some flaws, and and, and but he's still so young; he's going to get better. You know, they they drafted they've drafted really really well. I know the I know the Magic were are kind of hoping Amin Thompson might have fallen one of the Thompson twins at least would have fallen to them uh, at six in this year's draft. Um, you know, Cam Whitmore, you know, for, you know, I know I had my criticisms of him. I know a lot of magic fans were thinking he could have been the pick at six. That's a heck of a value to get at 20. Tari Eason is another guy that I think a lot of people outside of those who watch the Rockets, you know, don't understand. Like he's, he's a, he, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He's just an energy guy. He just does a lot of little things that help you win games. And you know, what's what I found, you know, you kind of mentioned it, like Orlando does seem to have this internal confidence with what they're building. You know, they're, they've got a lot of young guys too. You know, the Magic, I think were the fourth youngest team in the NBA last year, but they're also kind of some older guys. You know, it's, it's, yes, you got Paolo and Franz. who are still figuring themselves out in this league as good as they are now. You know, they're still just so young. It's hard to say like, oh, this is what they are. They're going to get better they they but, are
2: they are young, but I don't think it's a stretch, Philip, to say that that where Paolo and Franz at, are at right now. I think Paolo and Franz are both probably further along than anybody on the Rockets roster currently, just as far as you look at what they're able to do on a night to night basis, the consistencies in their games, all of that. And that's saying a lot, right? For and unfortunately, that's maybe a bit of a side effect as to where the Rockets found themselves these past you know few seasons with Steven Silas and a lack of kind of accountability from the coaching staff and expectations for these young guys. I think that Mosley has done a much better job kind of molding and cultivating a a grow an atmosphere of growth for those guys and getting to a point where they're very confident and clearly going forward. Those are the magic's two guys, right? Like those are their two guys you're building around those two guys. You've got your two cornerstones, right? The rockets clearly still think Jalen is a cornerstone but we don't really know like how what Jalen's ceiling is, right? I don't know. I cannot sit here and confidently say Jalen Green's going to be the best guy on a championship contender one day. We just don't know that. We don't know that about any of the Rockets' young core because there's still so many question marks about these six young pieces. And I think this next season is going to be akin to what maybe last season was like for the Magic for Houston, where they take that step forward, you see that internal growth, and maybe they get close to the plan and they don't quite sniff it. Um, Although Ime Odoka has been very vocal about the fact that he's never missed the playoffs in his career and he wants to make it back again this next season, so...
3: let's take a quick break from our conversation with Jackson to tell you a little bit more about Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Use that promo code Locked On for a special offer. Now let's dive back into a talk a little bit more about the Magic and Rockets diverging free agency strategies with Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets.
1: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think there's something to that. I mean, I think, I think I would agree with that. You know, Jalen Green's an incredible talent. I'm like, don't get me wrong. his scoring ability is, is really fantastic. You know, the magic saw that firsthand in, in the two matchups last year um, when, you know, Houston came to Orlando early in the season, kind of wiped Orlando off the floor. You know, their shooting was just incredible. The magic's one of the magic's weak spots, defensively is they give up a lot of threes. Sometimes that burns them. And then the second game, Orlando was down 12, like they, they were going to lose that game. And then they kind of slapped a zone on Houston and Houston really kind of couldn't figure it out. At least not as well as they did the first time around. And, and Orlando they, they got away. They have never
2: seen a zone in <laughs> their entire lives, Philip. That game drove me insane. I was irate. I was like, I was like, everybody knows how to beat a zone. You learn how to beat a zone in middle school. <laughs> like.
3: Hey, hey, did we, we we spoke about T-Mac earlier. T-Mac one time threatened to retire because the Timberwolves stuck a zone on him and he couldn't. And, he, and, he, and obviously, T-Mac that year was playing by himself essentially. And he was he threatened to retire after the game because he couldn't figure it. He couldn't figure it out. It's it's amazing how little NBA teams know how to play zone defenses. Um, but but yeah, I, I think to that point though, like Paolo Bane, and look, we don't know where Paolo's going to grow next. Um, you know, I, I, I'm. I'm all aboard the hype train for Paolo Bancaro. You know, it felt like what he did was very, very real, but now you got to do it again. And, and look, the company that he keeps, most of those guys do, the statistically, the company that he kept last year, most of those guys do it again, um, except for Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans is like the outlier in that group of guys who averaged 20 points per game who just didn't turn into anything. Um, so, is, and he
2: didn't, I, he didn't average 20, but I'm saying, th- I'm thinking like other rook, like rookie year phenoms who fell off. There's like what Michael Carter Williams is one too, right? Yeah. But, yeah. But like,
3: that was also like a historically weak draft. Um, you know, and that was the year Anthony Bennett was the number one pick magic fans would tell you Victor Oladipo should have won rookie of the year that season. Um, but like, they're like, there, there are very, like, they, like, they don't get this wrong. <laughs> like. Number one picks usually don't bust, you know. Dramatically, say for Kwame Brown and you know maybe Michael Olo-Condi. Um, Number one picks rarely bust. Rookies of the year, especially, rarely bust in in major ways. You know, yes, there are some down years. You know, Malcolm Brogdon won rookie of the year one year. Um, you, know, you know, Michael Carter Williams won rookie of the year that year. The year that year, and obviously Giannis turned in the best. Giannis turned in the best player in that draft, but no one no one knew knew that at the time. Um, so we're all pretty confident that that Paolo is going to be that level of player. Franz is Franz Wagner's consistently proven himself on big stages time and time again. Like I I don't know how you feel about World Cup stuff, um, but like that's a huge stage. Those are high state games, those are elite, that's elite competition. The fact that you know Franz Wagner did it at Eurobasket last year and then did it again at the World Cup and, and had good games against the US, against Canada, against guys with teams with lots of NBA players that makes you think like, okay, there, there's something to build around here. From, Franz but- to
2: me he screams. He's the type of player where one, I, I, I just, I love his game. There's a certain like fluidity to it. Like a, a kind of just a, a composure that he's got as a young player that he just knows what he's doing on the floor. But then I think talent wise, if Franz was maybe your best player, you'd maybe be a little disappointed because you're like, okay, he's not quite good enough to be like an, a one a option, but he is the exact kind of guy you want to be your, your two, your, your, one uh, B or your second, you know, your second option offensively that that's exactly his role. And that's exactly where he finds himself with Paolo being kind of the engine for the magic. And then Franz can just slot in right next to him.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and and he's like, I mean, I, I mentioned this yesterday. I was, I, I, was, I, I spoke with Gavin Shaw of locked on Knicks, like Franz, just we all want Franz to have like that superstar mindset where like, you know, Jalen green has that in, in like spades like that. Jalen green will take 25 shots. If you need him to take 25 shots, Franz Wagner it we were, we were all screaming for him to take 25 shots in a game sometimes because it's just like take shots like be aggressive go after your own don't feel like you have to fit in with the team but that makes that's what makes him an interesting pairing with 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 Paolo and then you know on the magic front obviously you've got some young veterans who who are really good at their roles and can kind of fill in like Wendell Carter Jr is you know so underrated around the league but is an excellent post defender can switch out onto the perimeter, can block some shots a little bit, has a little bit of a jumper. Like his, I remember the draft process saying like, he's a jack of all trade, master of none, but like that's turned into like one of the most valuable things you can be as a center in a lot of ways. Uh, and then, you know, Markel Fultz is a big mystery to a lot of people outside of Orlando, but everyone here in Orlando believes that, you know, he could be a most improved player and, you know, that he's, you know, as the, I know nationally, a lot of people say the magic need to upgrade their point guard spot. And, you know, maybe they do, but Everyone here is very, very confident that Markel Fultz is going to prove a lot of people wrong over the course of the year. Um, let's, uh, the, the the interesting thing that the Rockets did, and and you know, I think I think you know we we talked a little bit about it, but I think it's the what most interesting thing about where these two teams' paths sort of diverge. Um, you know, you mentioned that you maybe the Magic are kind of developmentally a year ahead, where they they competed, they were trying to win last year. You know, they didn't kind of go through the tanking ringer at least till the final three games of the season. Um, they didn't go through that tanking ringer uh, the way that maybe Houston did. Like they figured out their way to win. Um, but Orlando decided to kind of stay, stand pat. You know, they're still super young. They got virtually the same roster coming back. Houston decided to use its cap room and went after a bunch of win now players. You know, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks. How do you see the Rockets kind of integrating those players in um, into the young group that they have and and what they're developing because you know look Fred Van Vliet's still a fantastic player Dylan Brooks is obviously a a really strong player but they committed a lot of money it seems like to to kind of speed things up and and you know I think you know I know Magic fans are uh, you know have gone through the rebuild thing for a decade now Um, that can be where you get your rebuilds in trouble and, and start making mistakes
2: No, you're absolutely right, right? is You never want to see a team try to uh, expedite the rebuilding process. And and I genuinely do not think that the Rockets are doing that with these signings, right? They went through three years of hell, Philip, to get to this point. And the way that these signings should be viewed is they didn't sign Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks to be these, like, nobody's expecting them to lead the Rockets to the promised land, right? Nobody's expecting Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks to be, you know, on this team, maybe when the Rockets are next competing for titles, maybe it's different for, for Dylan Brooks. He's on a four-year deal. Um, I think that deal is actually going to age really, really well as we see the NBA salary cap continue to grow. And Dylan Brooks is in the prime of his career right now. And you actually look at a guy like Dylan Brooks, who, you know, maybe there's some question marks about his game and, you know, his touches on the court, his offensive production, but, in a way, having that four-year deal almost grants him like the security of, hey, I can be comfortable and confident in my role in, in the vision that this team has for me to where he can just focus on the things now that he's good at, right? He can focus on just being the ace defender, take the toughest defensive assignment offensively, don't jack up bad shots, just stay in your lane, play your role, keep your head down, do the things you're supposed to do, be a leader. And I think at the end of the day, for for both these guys, for Van Vliet and for Dylan Brooks, they're going to be an extension of udoka in the locker room right you need adults in the room for all these young guys we saw in houston how what it looked like as a dumpster fire just letting a bunch of you know 20 21 year old kids 19 year olds at times go out there and just roll the ball out with no structure no expectations and at times it looked like aau ball
3: the Magic saw that in the early part of their rebuild after after the Dwight trade. Like, you know, yes, they had a lot of talent. Like, you know, I, I always say this about the Magic during the 2013 to 16 era. Um, the Magic had talent. Victor Oladipo became an all-star. Tobias Harris is still playing impact basketball. Um, you know, Nikola Vucevic became an all-star. Evan Fournier was a solid player. Aaron Gordon was the key to winning a championship in Denver. The Magic were not lacking for talent. What they lacked and what they consistently lacked was... You know, an adult in the room. It was Aaron Afalo for a little while. Then they traded him very quickly for Evan Fournier. It was Willie really Green for a while. Um, it was they tried to make it Channing Fry, but as you know, we all know, and this is no offense to Channing because I love Channing. Channing is not an adult sometimes, and and like I think Channing is Channing in retrospect, and and has been very very open about it as being like. I knew the moment I stepped in that magic locker room that they weren't serious
2: and so I wasn't going to be serious. And so Well and, and and what's kind of funny is is about like that era of magic basketball, right? Is at the end of the day when you bottom out when you tank, you want as many bites at the apple as possible to get your next star, to get your next whether you want to call it engine star player, go-to guy, number one there's, option. There's whatever. a reason
3: why tanking is a strategy. Like yeah. I, I'm, I am notoriously anti-tanking. Like I, I think it's, I think it's bad. I don't think it, I think ultimately you're just playing the lottery and, and you're losing a lot and the magic lost a lot. You know, the magic won the lottery last year. Like, like, like I'm not going to sit here and deny that they made a great, they made a smart decision uh, in taking Palo, and taking palo Bancaro. And that's a credit to Jeff Beltman, But they were in that position because I want to run a victory lap because you and I had that
2: conversation about everybody was like, Oh, Jabari to the magic Jabari. And you and I talked and we were like, we don't think this is like a guarantee because Palo fits what the magic need more. And then they surprised everybody right before draft night, the odds started shifting. And sure enough, they picked up Palo because even if even if they had gone with Jabari, right, he didn't quite address the biggest need for the Magic, which was they needed an engine. They needed their go-to guy to run the show for them. And I think when you look at the Rockets, you know, conversely to, to where the Magic are at right now, is they still don't know who their engine is. Like, Shingoon could be that guy. He has the ability to, to be a, an offensive fulcrum and you can run offense through him, but they never leaned into it during the Steven Silas era. Amin Thompson has all the capability in the world to be a uh, you know a two-way phenom at the NBA level even if he never gets to be like an a, you know an absolutely knockdown three-point shooter he's going to be a, a 99th percentile athlete the moment he steps on the court and he's already got this level of composure and kind of uh, calm to his game as a floor general that I think is going to take him he, very far in the NBA
3: he knows like and and I think this is like a big thing with players who are described as uber athletes he knows how to use his athleticism. His mm-hmm. his athleticism is under control. It isn't just like I'm just going to go a million miles of, yeah. miles a minute and and I'm an I'm an athlete that can out athlete <laughs> everybody. He knows how he knows how to use his athleticism, which is such like like Jalen like Jalen Suggs for the Magic. Like one of his problems is he's a great athlete. He doesn't know how to control the pace of his athleticism. He doesn't know when to hit hit the gas when he needs to hit the brakes, like changing pace and changing speeds is is such a big thing to learn uh and it's so tough to learn in the nba in the nba it, in it's ways.
2: really funny because you you also just kind of describe Jalen green who's gotten better at it but Jalen is also a, a a phenomenal athlete but at times you can tell he's the type of athlete who has relied exclusively on his athleticism for so much of his career because he's always been faster could jump higher quicker than anybody else on the floor to where he turns on the jets and he's at the rim right to the point where he almost doesn't have enough craft around the rim at, at times at the NBA level because the competition is uh, a lot steeper where he has to deal with guys who can kind of keep up with him or who can recover and, you know, still meet him at the rim or be a little bit more physical with him and uh, kind of, you know, knock him away from the spots that he wants to get to on the floor. And he's learning, he's growing, he's getting bigger, but uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, the, the Rockets don't know quite just yet who their palo Bancaro is. And that's, that's kind of the differences in where the two young cores are for these two respective teams is the Rockets are still going to be using this year. They want to be competitive, but they also still have to use this year as kind of the let Ime Odoka dip his toes in the water, right? Let him see what he has with these core six guys. And it's unfortunate because the Rockets wasted some developmental runtime these past two seasons with Steven Silas, where... They invested so, so heavily in the Kevin Porter Jr. experiment, almost to the detriment of some of the other young pieces that they had. And it's really unfortunate now seeing how that situation is planned, you know, panned out with Kevin Porter Jr. Um, But, you know, you you look at the core six that they have, and now they have to figure out which of those core six are going to be the mainstays moving forward. Are all six going to be here for the long term? Who elevates the season, right? Who takes the step forward, right? Does Jalen become the clear number one option for this team? Maybe Jabari elevates his game. If you... Take what we saw in summer league at face value, then I, Jabari could be the Rockets best player this next season. Uh, I know it's summer league, you take it with a grain of salt, but he had some he was playing like, some phenomenal basketball. Look, and look, like
3: this is this is always my I mean, I I say this about summer league all the time. In summer league, you find out who can't play more than who can play. Mm-hmm. With second year players, especially though, they need to look like they know what they're doing. And Jabari Smith looked like even in the first half of that game when he was really kind of struggle, struggling a little bit, he still looked like he knew what he was doing and, and looked like he like he looked like he graduated from that level of play. Like it was just like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be here, <laughs> be here. Yeah, and
2: no, and for, like, for sure.
3: and, and like, look, he was, I mean, we, we talked about him endlessly that leading into the draft, like it always felt like he was a player that didn't quite understand how good he was yet. Like he was just so unselfish. And so, um, and just, just able to fit in wherever he went and, you know, going to a very good Auburn team that, had some veterans, like a freshman's going to fade into the background a little bit, and he could still get his points that way. He didn't understand how good he could be. And, and what was really interesting and fun to watch about Summer League, as you saw that, oh, like he knows he's the best player on the floor and he's, he's acting like it. And to your point, like you need tentpole players who know that about themselves. You know, I uh, the, the play, like we're, you know, both of our teams are talking theoretically about the playoffs. You know, you said this year for the Rockets, is about figuring out who to keep, who to, you know, what what kind of team you're actually building, what, what kind of team you're actually building. And, you know, that's a lot of how I described last year for the Magic. This year for the Magic is figuring out, okay, what do we actually need to win? What what does a winning team around Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner look like? And, and you obviously can't ask those questions. Because, because
2: you've identified, right? Because now it's, okay, exactly. we know Paolo, we know Franz, they're sticking around. How do we now build around them, right? The Rockets yep. still don't know that. That's, that's kind of where they're at and that's what this season's about.
3: Let's take one more break so we can tell you a little bit more about our friends from Bird Dogs. Look, it is still kind of summer outside here in Central Florida. I know September 20th, tomorrow is technically the autumnal equinox. And I just wanted to say autumnal because autumnal is just such a great word. But um, it might be fall on the calendar, but it is still summer outside. And you still need to look good wearing no shorts because it's ridiculous to wear anything else uh, when it is still 90 degrees outside. Bird Dogs simply makes you look good. The stretch khaki shor- shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. The shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better and frankly look a whole lot nicer than wearing Lululemon shorts or wherever they are. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix the issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Whether you're wearing shorts to the beach, to the pool, to the theme parks, wherever, you're going to look good in your bird dogs. And guess what? If you buy their full khakis, the like long pants, you can wear them to work. That's how good they look and how good they will make you look. Here in Florida, we're always constantly worried about sweat. Well, bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I I wear my bird dogs to the theme parks when I go to the parks. I wear it on the golf course. I wear it to the beach. I wear it to the pool. I wear it wherever. They're versatile. They're functional. They work anywhere. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA. That's with two N's. Or enter promo code locked on NBA. Again, with two N's. At checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Now let's finish up up our chat with Jackson Gatlin and hear more about the Magic and Rockets and how their rebuilds are very, very similar, but maybe very, very different.
1: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, Everything just makes sense.
1: Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
2: But that brings me to something that I'm curious that I need your thoughts on, Philip. Where do... Anthony Black and Jet Howard fit into this equation because this is a team that, that clearly wants to kind of continue the trend of, of playing competitive basketball that they that they keyed in on last season. So how do you ba- how how is Mosley supposed to balance the development of of adding two more rookies with also th- with also the expectations of being competitive? Because that's also what the Rockets are going to have to do with Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore probably not going to be getting rotation minutes right out of the gate for the Rockets, but Amin Thompson is is slated to be the backup point guard. I know there's plenty of rocket fans who would love to see a in Thompson get that free reign 30 minutes plus every single night, you know, just all the developmental run in the world, but that's not where this team is at right now. And that's also not where the magic are at in regards to black and Howard. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in that instance, it,
3: it's like, and, and I think it's going to be the, it's going to be the way, you know, you add in a Fred Van Vliet and, and a Dylan Brooks, like those guys are going to play. And so now you're focused less on developing the whole player and, you know, say, yes, the whole player still gets developed behind the scenes, but now you're really looking at focusing intently on what, how those guys contribute to winning and developing those aspects of their game. You know, I think for, for the magic, like they drafted players who, um, who can do that. You know, like I, I've been telling people that I kind of think Jet Howard's going to have a better rookie year than Anthony black because Jed Howard can shoot the ball and the magic desperately needs shooting. And so they can plug Jet Howard into the lineup to say, Hey, We're going to keep your role really, really simple this year. You know, you're standing in the corner a little bit, relocate to the, to the wing. Sometimes, you know, run in, run in transition, do your best defensively. That's, that's going to be how you contribute to the team and and you'll grow your game within that flow, flow of the offense. Um, You know, I think Anthony Black is in a really tricky spot, you know, and especially tricky spot. Um, You know, my philosophy, when you're drafting as high as the magic, we're drafting at six. You take the best player available, and you figure it out later. Like you, you can't, you just cannot pass on talent. You know, I know people who said the Magic should have taken Taylor Hendricks. You know, certainly the Magic. You know, people thought that the Magic should have taken Cam Whitmore in that spot. Um, you, you don't pass on talent. So that, that side idea. note,
2: thank thank you for not taking Cam Whitmore. <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, you could take you could take nineteen, te- you know, nineteen picks for that for that. Although so, although
2: I will I will say I I you know I I. Jet Howard did two separate workouts with the Rockets and he's clearly got, he's got ties to the organization because, uh, of Juwan Howard and, and all of that. But man, I, I, I wanted Jet Howard so bad. And I was thinking is if there's any way that he falls to pick 20, like give me Jet Howard in a Rockets jersey, please. I so. mean,
3: like, and, and like, you know, the, the, the magic just philosophically, they just, they just draft size. Like, like it, like, you know, we joke about it. Um, about you know just just look at the combine who has the longest wingspans that's who the magic are going to be pick- that's who the magic going to be picking from and it turned out you know the magic took Jed Howard because he's bigger than you know in a sense in a sense he's a great shooter and he's bigger than Grady Dick and uh, and Jordan Hawkins and some of the other shooters available and Anthony Black's the same way like I think the, the magic are going to keep his role really simple they're going to say defend we're going to play you next to a Cole Anthony we'll play you next to a Franz Wagner some guys who can shoot ease ease some of your ball handling responsibilities be guys that you can make easy passes to um and we're going to play you all over the place you'll play some one you'll play some two you'll play some three we're going to use your size to all of its advantages and and again that's something the magic look for and it's kind of like a, a an organizational philosophy for who the kind of team they're trying to build like you know the magic want to be positionless like i could see Jed howard playing some power forward this year um, they they essentially played him at power for the entire entirety of summer league. Um, and it just kind of, you know, the magic summer league team was awful. Like, like Jed Howard was a bright spot. Anthony Black was a bright spot. Keevon Harris was great. Um, but there was really not NBA talent on that summer league roster beyond, beyond the guys that were already on the roster. Um, but like they're, they're going to experiment with lineups and, and experiment with matchups and, and, and kind of throw guy throw guys in there. But to answer that question, I think, I think like the key is when you when you start moving from a development attitude to a winning attitude now you got to be thinking about how can we build players to help us win and and that means you know maybe you don't let any Anthony Black take 15 shots like he might have if if this were last year and the magic were still figuring out who they are um now you're like okay if you take a bad three or or you don't take a three that you need to take we're going to take you out because you're ultimately hurting the team and
2: You know, I think consequences and expectations are are now changed, right? Because instead, instead of everything just being about development and about getting those reps in, it's about, okay, now you're, you need to learn how to play winning basketball. Right. And that's what I think there's something to be said for, you know, I think there's an interesting case study here that we should be able to do. This is a, a unique show idea for, for both of us further down the line at some point, right. To revisit, you know, how different does it look when you bring in a rookie and just give them carte blanche 30 plus minutes a night, no expectation. just go out there, roll the ball out, do your thing versus coming in with more structure, more expectations. And I think you can even look at, you know, last season with uh Benedict Matherin with the Pacers, right? He came in and he came into a Pacers team that obviously, you know, they, they stumbled a little bit once Tyrese Halliburton got injured and all that, but that was a Pacers team. that was on, on pace to make no pun intended on pace to make the playoffs. And they were looking, they were playing some really competitive basketball. Um, and Benedict Matherin was able to come in, and play off the bench to where he, he had a very clearly defined role. And it wasn't just, hey, you're just gonna go in there, get as many its No, you're playing within a system. We have a, a role for you to play, and we want you to excel in that role specifically. But so. to that, but to that point, and like this is I think
3: something that's gonna happen with our team with our teams now, is Matherin came in, he still had a little bit of freedom. Like coming off the bench, you're 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 supposedly playing against uh supposedly weaker players, you're playing against. Uh, you know, you're, you're you still have a little bit of freedom to be the guy, but it's like contained, if that makes sense. And and you could play a little bit with the starting group at times, but you know, like he was given a little bit of freedom, but in like a low consequence, a relatively low consequence area, because every minute of a 48 minute game is important um, area of of the game. And and so you know, like when I look at this Magic team, it's just like you know, Paolo Bancaro still has free reign to do things, but the expectation is he's going to be more efficient. He's not going to shoot 42%. You know, what was, I think he ended 29 from three, um, you know, 33 if we take out his February, which we don't like to count. No, um, he's one for 32 um, threes in February. It was, it was not pretty. Um, He claimed it was a nerve issue. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how much that, how true that was. Um, But, um, but you know, when you start having these winning expectations, and, and I think, you know, I've talked a little bit about this on, on my show. What, the, like kind of undercurrent of the season's going to be about is like, okay, what point in the year for the magic does short-term thinking overtake long-term thinking? Like one thing I gave Jamal Mosley a ton of credit for last season was, you know, he made short-term sacrifices for the long-term game. Like Paulo Banquero was horribly inefficient, but the magic wanted him to have the ball. They wanted him to be able to take eight. You know, I think he took 18 shots per game. They wanted him to have those shots. And if he missed those, they could live with them because this was the year to make those mistakes. This was the year to learn what a good shot is, what a bad shot is, how to get to your spots. It was, it was a year for him to learn how much more efficient he needs to get. The, the magic put the ball in his hands late in games, even though the stats would tell you Marco Foltz was better, better late in games, Franz Wagner was better late in games. Like Paolo was not great late in games. But he had that one game in New Orleans where he scored eight points in the final two minutes, won the game, and it was just like, okay, we, we got, we got something
2: here. You he figured and it's, some stuff it, out. And that's so crazy because you, you look at the Rockets who this past season, it was much to the chagrin of Rockets fans everywhere you know, they started Eric Gordon at the small forward spot because Steven Silas just desperately wanted to hang on to some semblance of a thread of an established NBA player to have at least one adult in the room. So much so to the point that at the end of games, even though it was Jalen Green's second year in the NBA, we saw plenty of opportunities where Eric Gordon was their go-to guy at the end of games because he was the most established force on the court. So it's just, it's such an interesting dichotomy between how the magic allowed Paolo the free reign to just be like, Hey, Learn how. Learn what your game looks like. Right. Get comfortable in your own shoes. Leading this team, being the guy for this team. Whereas the Rockets, they it's like they put Jalen Green in bubble wrap. His first season, he was thrown in the corner and they treated him like he was PJ Tucker. Just sit in the corner and shoot. You know, shoot spot and up. He wasn't a and, great
3: shooter. He wasn't a great shooter coming out of. The, I the know. Like, like they, 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 they like never the they, whole idea of him. Like Magic fans were like. Magic fans were salivating to get him like they never, they never
2: utilized him off cuts either. Like like uh, no off ball actions to make his life easier. So uh, the Rockets are headed for, you know, a massive upgrade in the coaching department. And, and, you know, it's going to be a world of difference for Rockets fans watching what I hope looks like a competent basketball team for the first time in a few years, which is going to be just a breath of fresh air.
3: And I think that part is really underrated. Like, you know, i i' I've, I told people you know i was I was covering the team when Jacques Vaughn was the head coach of the magic uh, and and the years after Dwight. And we could tell very early on that Jacques Vaughn was a babysitter, that Jacques Vaughn was just in a, you know, and look he's he's a, he's turned into a great coach with the Brooklyn Nets. When the magic fired him, I was like, he's gonna do a lot better in the second job because he learned a lot with the mess that the magic put him in. He was there to be a babysitter. He didn't really have like a clear organizational idea or idea of what the team was going to become uh, and didn't coach the team like that. He coached a team like the kids were running the asylum a little bit because the magic needed those draft picks to, to, to re to restock, to restock things. Um, like the first year with Jamal Mosley just felt completely different. It felt like, you know, Jamal was very directed, knew what he was trying to establish, knew what he was trying to do. made you know, Kept, kept, you know, a big thing for me. He kept the long term in mind. He wasn't as focused on the results. He made, he made sure that everyone understood, like, hey, this is what we're building to. And like last year, the magic started five and 20. I think a lot of young teams would have quit and you know, would have not necessarily quit, but they would have become about me. They would have gone, like, hey, let me get my numbers, let me start establishing myself who I am to this to this front office as they continue to build. Um, to my next, for my next future contract. Cause all these guys are on rookie contracts or, or newly expiring contracts. And instead the team rallied around, kept the long-term in mind, kept believing in what they were being taught and ended the year 29 and 28 were the last team eliminated from the Eastern conference playoff picture, you know, for whatever that's worth. Um, I know, I know out West that people will, I know, I know you Western conference people will say like, oh, that's, that's, that's nothing. Like that's 35 games. whoop de do? Um, 34 actually. Um, but, um, but, uh, uh, but like they stuck together and they, they found themselves a little bit. And, and so, you know, the coach, a coach in these rebuild situations matters so much. Like it's, it's, it's imme like you can tell what it, when you have it and you can tell when you don't. And if you don't have it, that's when you're in a heap of trouble.
2: No, fully agree there. And that's that's where I, I think I think the Magic have a great coach in Jamal Mosley. And I, and I think it's great that the organization has given him the runway to see his vision through, right? And it's unfortunate because pretty early on, I think the Rockets identified, hey, Steven Silas is probably in over his head, but they knew they were going to be bad for a few years. And it just didn't make sense to adjust to try and get a, you know, a moderate improvement over Steven Silas, because then they probably still would have had to revisit Further down and the line, to, like okay, and well, you don't want to do be changing from? coaches
3: every year. Like exactly changing right? coaches like, every year is a bad decision, too. Yeah. Like, you, so, you, so you have you do have to be stuck with a bad decision. Or or give it, you know, like I say this about Mosley a lot. You know, Mosley is a 14-year assistant coach before he became a head coach with the magic, but this was his first time being a head coach. He's making mistakes that you like that rookies make. And as long as he's getting better at those, it's just like, okay, the long-term vision's there. He's figuring out the short-term stuff. Like he's, you know. He's probably going to make, you know, first playoff, first time with playoff and winning expectations on him, he's probably going to make some mistakes this year. And, you know, they'll they'll probably cost, you know, they might cost the magic a few games. And the question is, well, are these things he can learn from, or are these like, like fatal flaws that keep this team from getting where they want to go? And you can tell when they're fatal flaws. You can tell when it's just like, you know, we had Steve Clifford here for a while and Steve, Steve Clifford's a great coach. He's very good at what he's very good at. He's very bad at what he's not good at. And, you know, Charlotte Hornets, you know, On Hornets, Doug Branson can tell you tell you all about that, too. We're all experts on Steve Clifford. Um, but, you know, you you hit a ceiling with a Steve Clifford, um, you know, coaches, coaches have ceilings, I think, and, and some and you'll know when you hit
2: that ceiling. No, absolutely. And, and look, I, I know part of the reason we we wanted to do this crossover, Philip, was because Rockets and Magic, they start their seasons against each other. It's gonna be, it, it, it's always really fun when these two teams face each other. What are you most looking forward to out of this matchup? You know, opening night.
3: Um, besides it just being opening night, which is always a, a great, great, uh, not great, e- great evening. Um, you know, the big thing that I'm looking looking forward to seeing is how how the how the individual pieces get better and how it makes the whole better. And obviously, you're not going to get all of that in one game, but I I think the Rockets are just a really interesting challenge because they have a lot of they have a lot of athleticism they have some good size yes they may not be the strongest team defensively at least by the numbers last year but they they present a lot of challenges to the Magic and and you know you add in a Fred Van Vliet and a Dylan Brooks you know if there's one thing we know you know the Magic are a young team I've been screaming for them to get a veteran for their starting lineup you know they have Gary Harris who's nice. They added Joe Ingles, who's going to come off the bench. I'm not still sure what his role is ultimately going to be.
2: And can you can you run us through for our Locked On Rockets listeners? They projected starting a starting five for the Magic this season. Yeah.
3: So so the project the starting five that I have is Markel Fultz at the point. Um, I still have Gary Harris at the two, but I will say that I think it's Jalen Suggs' job to take. If if Jalen Suggs takes a leap, particularly with his shooting. Um, I think that he can ultimately slide in as, as the starting two guard. Gary Harris is an expiring contract. I, I love Gary Harris. I don't think he'll be back, but the Magic need the shooting. So who knows? But um, I, I have for, for now, I have Fultz, Gary Harris, Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, Wendell Carter. And then coming off the bench, you'll have Cole Anthony, uh, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, probably um, Anthony Black, probably, uh, if not him, Jed Howard, if not him, Joe Ingles. Um, and then Jonathan Isaac knocking on wood that he's healthy, uh, which all indications are that he is. And then probably Mo Wagner as the backup center. So like the one, like the other part of this this thing that's really exciting is the Magic's bench was actually pretty good last year, um, production scoring wise at least. Um, it feels like they have a lot of depth. Like if if you know Jalen Suggs falls apart like he sometimes does because he rolls an ankle diving for a loose ball that he didn't need to dive for, which is why we love him, but also why we're just like Jalen, dude, stop and he's a football and he's a football player, so he will play play through it. Um, but it feels like they can replace depth this year in a way that they couldn't last year. Like like every magic player will tell you the reason they didn't make the playoffs last year, the reason they didn't make the play-in last year, um, was they started five and twenty because Marco Foltz missed the first 20 games and Cole Anthony missed the majority of the first 20 games. So they played the first 25 games essentially with no point guard. And Jalen Suggs missed a good chunk of time for the concussion, a sprained ankle, and a million other injuries. Um, they essentially played the first 25 games without a point guard and that, that, that just killed killed a young team. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this team comes together. And like I said, I think the Rockets, like I am telling everyone this, I don't like playing the quote unquote tanking teams early in the season because early in the season, everyone's typically not that the Rockets are a tanking team, but, um, typically everyone early in the season is healthy. They're motivated. They still think they can win. You want to play them later in the season. So like the magic goes. Once
2: they're nice and demoralized, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: You want, you want them to be beaten down by, by the passage of time a little bit. Um, But you know, the magic play Houston and then at Portland um, the, the, the first, the first two games of the season. And it's just like, you know, like Houston is a, Houston's going to be a dangerous team early because Fred VanVleet knows what he's doing. Dylan Brooks knows what he's doing. Ime Yadoka knows what he's doing. They're going to be ready to play early in the season. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the Magic approach this game um, because of the challenges that Houston presents. And also I think there's a little pressure to win this game because the Magic play this first game at home and then they go out West for a four-game road trip to start the season, which is just, it's, it to me, it's a little crazy, but, you know, you don't want to start the year, you know, you don't want to start the year 0-1 and, and then lose three of, you know, three of five on that road trip. Like, yeah, you, you want to get off to,
2: you want to get off to a good start. And yeah. and again, it's, I think it's going to be a nice little test between two young up and coming teams. It's always really fun revisiting teams that have these ties in the draft, right? So like when the Rockets play the Pistons, it's always fun because Jalen versus Cade, um, this one's going to be especially fun. It's always fun watching uh, Palo and Jabari match up. I don't actually think I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if they're going to check one another though. I, I'm, because the Rockets' projected starting five is Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith Jr., and Alperin Shingun. I would not be shocked if Dylan Brooks is actually the primary defender on Paolo Banchero, um, because oh, Paolo is insane. is the Magic's best player, and Dylan Brooks has the size to deal with him. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's actually his defensive assignment, and they throw it, Jabari it on Franz. It wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't. Su-
3: Either wouldn't surprise me. I'd imagine there will be a lot of switching because that's just how things are uh, done of in course. the NBA. But but, ju- but um, just as
2: far as you know, tentative primary defender. Do you want? Do you want Jalen Green? I mean,
3: maybe you want Jalen Green guarding guarding Markel Fultz. Um, if you know Fultz, Fultz is, has shaven has shaved the head, he's back to looking like Washington Fultz. We'll see if he's back to playing like Washington Fultz. Um, it's it's a, it's a fascinating matchup because you know Houston is one of those teams that has the size a little bit to deal with Orlando, and Orlando gets weird and. Um, you know, I am expecting them to try some funky lineups. You know, Steve Kerr, uh, Steve Kerr opened Pandora's box and Palo looked okay at center. Things could get weird. Jamal Mosley could make things very, very weird. You know, Jonathan Isaac kind is of, sitting there.
2: And that's also kind of the important part for some of these young teams, right? Is, is experimentation is still part of the game for these coaches trying to figure out, okay, how can these teams be effective, right? Can we run Palo at center for stretches? The Rockets, uh, I, I know for a fact um, they were discussing it this offseason at Summer League is Emeo Doka is incredibly excited about the, the versatility and possibility of running Jabari as a small ball five, which we saw in very brief stints last season, but I don't think the Rockets ever really took full advantage of it, uh, especially defensively and, and the havoc that he can wreak as a small ball five. So I think we're going to see that you know it, in certain stretches on opening night more than likely. And the big thing though for the Rockets is they're still kind of missing a hole in their rotation. We don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Porter Jr. yet. He was projected to be the Rockets' like sixth man off the bench, lead guard coming off the bench, and right now the Rockets are in the process of trying to trade that contract for something of value, uh, be it a rotation player or somebody to just keep that salary slot alive for future roster flexibility and moves that can be made further down the line. Uh, but as it stands right now, Amin Thompson will be their backup point guard off the bench. Jay Sean Tate is going to play a big role off the bench for the Rockets. I say big role. It'll be you know it's anywhere from 12 to 15, 18 minutes a night, but he's your effectively your backup three. Tari Eason is in there. Jock Landale's there. Uh, Jeff Green situationally. But for me, again, the matchup between, and, and again, it might not be a head to head direct matchup between Paolo and Jabari, but it's always fun to see how those guys stat lines stack up. And we were talking about this uh, before we hit record But, and I think this might be a good point for us to leave off on is just, it's going to be so interesting seeing how these two teams progress over the course of this 82 game season, because they play each other for the very first game of the season. And then they don't see each other again until April of this season. So these are going to be two very different basketball teams by the end of the season. And it could be for better. It could be for worse by the end of the year. Once we get there.
3: Yeah. I mean, for sure. And, and, and like, look, who knows? I mean, it's it, 82 games is a long journey. You know, I, I like the moves that Houston made. I, I like them trying to, you know, and what I love about Fred VanVleet, and, and, and I don't think we talk enough about this, like Fred VanVleet's an all-star, but he's also a great table setter. He's also, he's not an all-star that's just going to take over the reins and say, hey, give me the ball. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, score a million, I'm going to score a million points and shoot a million shots. He's not necessarily going to take shots away from a Jalen Green, from a Jabari Smith, from an Almond Thompson. As long as the Rockets, move the ball, the ball is going to find Fred Van Vliet because he's a great shooter. He's going to find a Jalen Green for three or a Jabari Smith for three. Like as long as they move the ball, which is a challenge for all young teams, the magic were a low passing team last year too. um, As long as the ball gets moved, they have, they have some really interesting offensive weapons. And and I think Houston. I think Houston, you know, made serious upgrades, obviously, you know, with the free agents and the veterans that they added made and, and the coach they added, made some serious upgrades and it's, it's going to be a really, really, really fun opening game. And, you know, obviously we'll see, we'll see y'all in April. Maybe we'll see you in Vegas in December. Who knows? Um, Anything could happen, um, and and of course we'll see you in the NBA Finals as
2: always. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of years down the line.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We hey, we got a 30th anniversary coming up in a, in a couple of years, so we we got we gotta we gotta we gotta be ready to go. We both of our teams oh, gotta be ready to go. Absolutely,
2: it's gonna be a ton of fun.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, Jackson, uh, I want to thank you for for hopping on with me. Um, you know, um, I'm, 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 everyone can see our socials socials below. Uh, Jackson, of course, the host of Locked On Rockets. I'm the host of Locked On Magic. Um, let's let's do this let's do this again sometime.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a midseason check-in or something, see how these two teams are going. But likewise, Philip, always a pleasure to chat basketball with you. And uh thanks for having me on Locked on Magic. And thank you for this crossover and being a part of Locked on Rockets.
3: I want to thank Jackson for jumping on the show with me chatting a little bit about the Houston Rockets, giving us a good update on where, uh, frankly, one of our rebuild uh, peers are sitting and standing as we get ready for the season. As you can tell, the Rockets are very, very excited for their season, just as the Magic are very, very excited for our season. And I'm not joking. Maybe we'll see them in Vegas in December. We're not going to see even the finals this year. That's, that's 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 just my running joke with everyone that that I that I talk to. But you never know. You know, we're coming up on the 30th anniversary of the 1995 NBA Finals. It would be nice to to get a little rematch and get a little revenge uh, in a couple seasons. That's two seasons away. We're your or 28th year anniversary right now. But that's good too for me. You can of course find me on Twitter at Philip underscore Own Subscribe to the podcast now. The podcast, if you're tuning to, him. You can play Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places to podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. So ladies on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, you can of course, follow us there on Twitter, at OMagicDaily. Now is also the perfect time to check out my Patreon page, the Orlando Magic Hub. Uh, you can find a link in my bio on my Twitter page, at underscore OMD, or go to patreon.com and search for Orlando Magic Hub. Um going to start putting a lot more fun content on there, especially as the season begins. On tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk a little bit about something we chatted about um, in this show about the diverging free agency strategies. We're going to talk about some uh, players who might be available in trades that the Magic might be in position to grab, but probably aren't quite ready to do so. Let's also talk about what Jamal Mosley said on the Hoopside podcast as well, so you have a day to listen to that and get ready for it. Um, we'll do that on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, and until then... For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Lockdown. On